Vince, uh, the board asked me to come here to talk to you. They're concerned about the current situation. Can we just go talk about this in the back, please? I tried to get out here, Vince, before you came to the ring, but I didn't make it. More specifically, the board is concerned about you. Don't, don't get me wrong, they completely understand you have built a global empire. All of this, every single bit of it, is because of you and your vision. That's a given. But at the same point in time, Vince, the board is concerned about your extremely questionable, their term, their words, extremely questionable decisions as of late. Vince, the board has asked me to come here to tell you that they have filed an injunction against you with a vote of no confidence. And Vince, the family agrees. On top of that, Vince, the board has appointed someone to take over the day-to-day -day operations of the WWE. And um, I can't, uh, I can't even believe I'm going to say this, but Vince, it's me. Welcome to this belated edition of Let Me Tell You Something, the podcast that had to take a break due to 
non-COVID, non-strepe, but certainly some sort of sore throat on one of our co-hosts. And you will hear the residual effects of that soon enough after I introduce for my review of 2022 co-host. He is the Max Caster to my Anthony Bowen. The Jeff Jarrett to my continued baffling employment in the 2023. The Quasi Quateng to my Liz Truss. Mr. Simon Cross. Simon, how are you doing now compared to how you've been for the past couple of weeks? Oh, God, how am I doing now? Pretty good now compared. Honestly, listeners, I don't know if I've mentioned before that last... About roughly this time last year, I had COVID. If you, if I had to pick between the thing I've just recovered from and COVID, well, the COVID that I had mm. before I start trivialising everything, I would have definitely took the COVID that I had. But you don't think it's this strep A thing that's been going around, are no, you? No, no. Well, as Simon recovers from his mystery bug, we try to unravel the mystery that has been how on earth did so much stuff happen in one year? <laughs> Weirdly, I don't know if it's the most important year, but it's definitely the most eventful year. Like, nothing new was created, particularly, but so much changed. Like, and to coincide also with a very eventful year on a global stage, you know, we keep one-upping ourselves. Outrageous election results and political turmoil as a result of that. Oh, a global pandemic, the likes of which we haven't seen for decades. Oh, actual war in actual europe yeah so much happened it's kind of crazy everything since that first lockdown sort of has become this like big post-covid yeah amalgamated mess yeah that that lorcan's right it just seems to try and keep topping itself year on year on year yeah hold my beer etc and We went through a period of a couple of months in this country where we went through two monarchs and three prime ministers. How on earth that can happen is quite amazing. And that was without a general election. (laughs) This was all one farcical group of people. That was between September and November. So six, we did that in six weeks. Tony Khan needs a longer period of time to build up an AEW pay-per-view than that. <laughs> well, yeah, that's debatable. Well, well, there's a well, like, not, there's a longer gap between AEW pay per views. Let's put it that way. That definitely is. Yes. <laughs> I think what's so odd about both the biggest event of this year and also how the world goes is that there were a lot of people on Twitter sort of saying, "Well, what's the biggest news story of the year for, in the wrestling world?" And it's like the guy in charge of the biggest wrestling promotion for the past forty years debatably for three of those years, maybe not the biggest promotion in the world, has stepped down from his role. The most important, the most powerful figure in this world has no real outright power outside of his ownership of the company, but the actual day-to-day operations. How the wrestling world works does no longer go on the whims of a batshit insane old man. <laughs> We don't know yet whether it's now a batshit insane middle-aged man, and certainly a man in his late 30s or early 40s that has an energy that can be best described as frenetic. Yes. <laughs> so, Who has spread himself across three different jobs as well. Yeah. And everything's in a real turmoil. It's, it's hard to perceive where we are at the end of this decade, because I've said, you know, and I, I still weirdly even more hold 
it that I can see it's utterly plausible to me that we don't even have an AEW by the end of this decade. That still seems plausible to me. Um, who knows? Yeah, exactly. Who knows? And whatever happens with Triple H in charge, we're never going to have another period of time where for 40 years the most powerful man in wrestling, the most powerful person in wrestling is one person. He's the same person. Because Triple H is not going to have as long a run. I mean, as we said, one of the big events this year on on a personal level for Triple H was his heart surgery. Okay, and I think we're both going to do this a lot. I'd forgotten about that. Yeah. This. It's like at different points in this one single year, this one calendar year, every single McMahon that was in a position of authority lost that position of authority. Shane was the first one to go after his behaviour at the Royal Rumble. Yeah, we ended up in the final four. Outslugging um, a UFC fighter. Yeah, and Randy Orton power played him. Shane's music hit in Randy Orton's spot, and Randy Orton just looked at him like, well, I'm not going out there, so you best get going. <laughs> so, yeah, Shane was the first to go. Then Stephanie left the company and was getting bad-mouthed on publications from sources that were either Vince or someone that had Vince's authority to say that shit about his own daughter. Knowing that there will be no consequences for saying it, it seems. Triple H has his heart scare, and that knocks him out of involvement. And, during and that's that quite in- earlier in the year because yeah. he did his boots in the ring thing at Mania, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. Uh, but during that time that he wasn't back and when he wasn't there, just everything got blown up. Pretty much every person that was loyal to him on the backstage side of things were getting cut, yeah. including William Regal, for one example. And the entire NXT repackaging continued. Yes, and I think Bruce now... Pritchard um, and Vince ended up like on the booking panel mm. for NXT for a while. And now NXT is still scrambling around, but it doesn't really NXT doesn't mean anything anymore. I pay no attention to NXT. We I... we've talked about it in previous years uh, how much I adored the the uh, halcyon days of NXT. Yeah, but we were also during that whole time saying this doesn't seem to be serving the purpose that NXT should be serving. No. Which was developing new raw talent. And, you know, they had that whole policy of we're just going to sign college students. I know that was probably from 2021. And we're going to bring them up through that way. But I think one of the significant news stories of the last few weeks has been their signing, recent signing of Dragon Lee. That was exactly the kind of signing that Triple H was making back in the, you know, as you say, those halcyon days of NXT where some exciting new guy was being brought in. But... Is he Triple H even going to bother having him on NXT? Is it like he's trying to repackage things? Is he looking at, you know, Rey Mysterio's winding down? Is he going to take another crack that failed the first time with Sin Cara? Ah, maybe. But also, I think that was one of the weird things, though, With the to go back to the Vince story. The overriding theme of this year, if there has been one, there's been a lot of Emperor's New Clothes, I think, in the world, especially with so many figures of power, male figures of power in particular. If you just want to look at it, look at the status that each of these people had at the start of the year, and look at where they are now. Yeah. Putin, Trump, Boris Johnson, Elon Musk, Mark Zuckerberg, the entire cryptocurrency industry, to a greater, as as best exemplified by that FTX... Oh, the guy who's the whole thing, um, 
He's got three initials, but he's recently yeah, yeah, been arrested yeah, yeah. in the Bahamas. Yeah, 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 yeah. So many figures that seem to be almost infallible just don't look quite as keyed up and aware of it as pos- as before. And like I said, as soon as Vincent Mann lost that power, hmm. he just became such an irrelevance that the world passed by. And there are loads and loads of wrestling fans that will say, the first thing they'll remember about 2022, ahead of Vincent Mann going, will be CM Punk, burning every bridge that he can see whilst chowing down on a muffin. <sighs> we'll get to that later. But it just shows that time waits for no one. No. Even Vince Man, the world, the wrestling world feels like for the most part it's moved on from him even now. And weirdly, that stain across the WWE does seem to be kind of fading away. You can argue that some of the stuff they've done this year, the Bloodline storyline... The rise of Cody Rhodes, the re-signing of Cody Rhodes was such a significant moment. Although, to be fair, that did happen under Vince's watch. And some of the Bloodline stuff was under Vince's watch, like like Roman specifically. Yes, but this gradual building up of it to the point that they are as over as any act's been in wrestling in a long time. And, like, they they have, like, a collective aura as well under the Bloodline banner that Roman Reigns holds more, but... Sami Zayn is probably the most popular wrestler on the roster right now. Oh, absolutely. Technically being a heel, which is, you know. And that's another interesting thing I was wondering about, because I've said before, because we did do like a a late-breaking record when Vince was fired, well, fired, when Vince was removed from his position the first time. Yeah. Was that we won't know what a Triple H WWE looks like, my argument was, until after WrestleMania 40 at the earliest. And I still hold on to that. But you can see some patterns starting to emerge. Obviously, the bringing in of war games, that was a proper Triple H putting his, like, this is my world. This is what I want now. The continued move away from the multicolored NXT branding back to that gold white thing. Like we said, will be interesting to see the hiring practices, see if they change going forward. How will they work against AEW, but also just little things as well, like uh, the recent Shinsuke Nakamura visit to Noah. Noah. They basically said that wouldn't have happened under Vince. Not a chance. Carl Anderson was just on Wrestle Kingdom, dropping the Never title to Tamatonga. Yeah. Even a little thing like them having Michael Cole say a little tribute to Dom West on an episode of SmackDown. Something like that would not WWE. The most they would have allowed would be like a, a tweet, maybe a post. Maybe that like um, mention at the start of the show, possibly. No, but I don't think they would have name dropped him. They certainly wouldn't. No, have No, no, not name dropped. What I mean is, they sometimes have that black screen with the white over. No, they would never the... have that. They'd never have that because he's not. He would never ever work for WWE. They would never think he was worthy of mm. that. So it's just little things like that that just show where we're going. That Obviously, the liberation with the commentating, they've much improved. The return, more often than not, to two-man commentary teams. Oh, Michael Cole, is he's having a renaissance, isn't he? We're back to the NXT UK tournament. tournament. Yes. There just generally seems to be less of a sense of it being a place that entirely is without merit. And but I also wonder if that is also what's affecting the lack of excitement around AEW. Because so much of AEW is a bunch of grown men trying to finally rebel against their dad. And this is what we've got, you know? Like so much of what AEW was seem to be about was we're not doing the Vince stuff. Yeah, it was like having a different place to go to because Vince's stuff in in recent years 
you're either really into it or you're really, really not. Oh, yeah. Well, then, then you've got, like, a, a culture war, which seems to die down a bit this year as far as, like, AEW fans shitting all over WWE and WWE shitting all over AEW. It seems less vocal now than it was. I might be wrong. Maybe I'm just looking in the wrong places. Or the I, right can't, places. I can't think of many of shots they've taken at each other this year. But first. I wonder if a lot of that is because it's not Vincent Mania lashing out at anymore. It's, you know, mm. a guy that obviously the online community hated so much in the past when it was all about him. But, I mean, it literally can't be about him from an in-ring perspective ever again. Even for WrestleMania. Well, all I'm alluding to is the fact that I was... In the last calendar month, talk of Vince McMahon trying to sound out a potential comeback. No, he but can't. Then, he can't. But I've said for the moment he mentioned it, another article dropped in Wall Street Journal. Yeah, it's just ultimate delusion from Vince. And like I said, I, and I said at the time, you know, I'm, I do have so much of this year has been, hey, look and read a really long book, but that book about the power broker, the whole thing was, you know, as soon as he lost the power, as soon as he let it slip. He was never the same, and he was just on the outside, forever railing against what was going on and trying to reclaim his image. But I tell you what that does make me think as well, though, now that Vince has failed to get back into power, I think that expedites the sale. Because if Vince doesn't have the power through corporate executive politics anymore, he can hold power through money. And if he's still got whatever percentage of the company is and it sells for however many billion dollars next year or the year after, I think Vince will okay the sale because then he has billions of dollars and he can do anything he wants with that I was going to say, he, he will start doing something else. It won't be a wrestling promotion. That'd be stupid. No. But he would do something. He'd try and start some sort of entertainment brand or licensing or... World bod- the World Bodybuilding Federation. No, it wouldn't be bodybuilding. And it couldn't be... American football either. I don't know what it would be. Well, that's I'll... a weird thing from I think from this year as well. The Rock buying XFL. Mm. No, that was last year. Well, no, but we've not seen it yet since, have we? No, but what was intriguing was it this year at the Super Bowl in February that the Rock introduced the two? It was yes, and that was obviously a sign that there's going to be some sort of agreement between the XFL for the N- with the NFL. Make it I a think... league, why not? Well, yeah, the NFL kind of needs an XFL for its own good, and God knows if they want to experiment on some rule changes. Yeah, baseball has a farm system. NHL has, uh, they have a lower league structure Mm. to send people to. Mm. But the NFL doesn't seem to have that, so. Well, they had that NFL Europe, didn't they? And that. Yeah, but I can't think of anything. I can't name a successful person from it. It's insane that there are so few people in America that can make a living off of American football, given how huge the sport is there. Exactly. As players. It's just absolutely ridiculous. I hope the XFL is a success if and when it happens. Vince won't be involved in that, I don't think. Maybe Vince will try and start some sort of foundation and put his money towards that. I don't know. <laughs> I don't Considering know. the state of the Republican Party, if they wanted a cult of personality. Yeah. I mean, he's... A, fuck me. Governor of Connecticut, Vincent Kennedy McMahon. <laughs> I would rule nothing out. <laughs> After the state of the world I've seen in the last few years, Lorcan, yeah. I wouldn't rule a damn thing out there. Yeah. So, WWE feels like it's in a better place. It feels... And also, I thought, one of the things I did do whilst uh, in between us agreeing to do this, but then having to postpone the recordings for your voice to recover, 
was I watched the three Logan Paul matches. Because that's the one thing WWE has now, and that wrestling has more of now. I never thought that wrestling would be as mainstream as it is now. Not in the sense that it's as big as it was in the mid-1980s and the late 1990s. But just that it's part of the fabric. That to be into wrestling, or for wrestling to cross-pollinate... And for artists and other figures to cite their love of wrestling or their influence of wrestling on them. And also, if someone is a wrestler, it is not automatically a negative tag that means they can't be anything other than that. Yeah. As you've seen with the continued successes for guys like Dave Batista and John Cena this year with Peacemaker. Um, Sasha Banks. Well, her old name. That remains to be seen how far she can go with that. 2023 is the year where she has to kind of prove her value in that sense so there, there's there's a question whilst i've just got it in my head so it does link to what we've been talking about because the sasha banks and naomi thing mm-hmm. that happened on vince's watch because we was... had that weird ass press release yeah where pat mcafee stared into the camera like i was so glad i was with the nfl for so long who have a proper players union it's one of those things where like if you if you look at the artistic if you're a writer trying to write the his, you know, trying to retell the story of Vincent Mann's rise and fall, you will put something like that just before his collapse. Even if, like in those, the, you know, from what I understand of like the Crown series, that they shift events around to make more thematic resonance. Yeah, it was the perfect setup. It was Vincent John utterly appalled at the unprofessionalism of Sasha Banks and Naomi, which seemed to be the unprofessionalism of standing up for themselves. Yes. Bad-mouthing them publicly and saying their behaviour was abhorrent. A mere weeks later, we find out what kind of behaviour Vincent Mann and Johnny Ace have been up to during those past few years that they obviously don't consider abhorrent because they were doing it themselves. The irony of it and the timing of it was incredible. Just just plug in a little bit. On top of all of that, it's not like there were never any suspicions that Vince was doing stuff like that. It was always known that he was a love cheat. Rat. Yeah, he was a rat. And he, yeah. you know, you just need to watch all this stuff from the 2000s, which we might do for a project in the, not the near future, but the middle future, which we're talking about, which I think will be very intriguing. That what their ideal vision of what women are. As two straight white men, I think we're best equipped to deal with that issue. Well, yes. I mean, we're the ones that he's marketing towards. <laughs> that is true. Two young women of colour stood up for themselves and two old white men couldn't believe it whilst they were doing borderline unspeakable things to other women under their employment. I mean, again, just to cover ourselves off, obviously this is all stuff that's been reported by... I don't think this man's going to bother suing us. In in the interest of fairness... All right. Uh, none of this has been admitted to by any party or anything like that. But in the like interest that. of my fairness, I think fairly Vincent Mann is a scumbag human being and I'm glad he's lost all sense of power and worth. And well, the same goes for John Laurinaitis. Yeah. And I hope that they're both truly miserable about what they've they've got in life now for the rest of their lives. I think the only thing Vince will be miserable about is the fact he's not working. He'll have been doing something. God knows yeah, but, what but not. The same level of something. No. Well, yeah, that's yeah. That, there's there's I, very few jobs in the world yeah. that ask that much of you. But what was so funny as well is like, like I said, the most events like we had basically had both an event even bigger than Vince McMahon 
buying WCW. It's bigger than that. Yes. But it's like happened the same year that this generation's equivalent of the Montreal Screwjob happened as well. To switch it to AEW right now. With the what some people have come to describe as the gripe bomb. <laughs> it's a shame it's it wasn't just... a muff it wasn't a crepe when he was eating yeah. the muffin, then it could have been the crepe bomb. I think that this didn't surprise me in the slightest, but it did surprise me at the same time. I think as soon as Punk came along, it was like, well, these good times aren't going to last forever. Someone was always going to get annoyed with someone else. Yeah. Um, there were the talks of, obviously, his shots at Hangman, which were unscripted in promos, notably one episode of Dynamite, calling him out when he wasn't expecting to be called out. So when he didn't answer, he just looked like a bitch. That was like the start of the end insofar as it was the moment where you realised CM Punk can't let anything lie. And that he also thought that he had so much power that he was unfireable. Or he didn't care enough to not get fired. Yeah, I think it's more the second one. And I'm just thinking of he's the my to the my from the start. And you mentioned Jeff Jarrett and his employability and how that continues to astound you. I think one of the key differences between Jeff Jarrett and CM Punk is that Jeff knows it's a business and he can let things from his past or things that might stick in his craw, like the start of his relationship with his now wife, be used in a creative sense, like the Acclaims rap video. Well, the Jeff Jarrett of 1999... 97 to 99 was a man full of sour grapes and a sense of being wronged. So and... does this mean, like, we'll get punk in 2032? Well, no, because I think, the dif- I think the difference is that Jeff Jarrett is capable of learning and changing as a person and mellowing out as a person. Mm. CM Punk can never mellow out. He can give the facade of it, but the bubbling rage has been there from a very young age. And it still comes out occasionally. And he doesn't care who he's around. I mean, the sight of him saying all that in front of his boss. That's one of the maddest factors about it. And, you know, I know we talk over each other, but we're not each other's boss. No. He talked over his boss. Told him how to answer a question the way that he, he should be answering a question. And it was just so arrogant, is the honest truth. Because I've always said, you know, I love so much about CM Punk. But I know that he's a stubborn prick. And I know that he's a man with an inflated ego. Given how good he is, he actually thinks he's even better. He thinks he can hold his own in the UFC. He thought he could do that. Yes. He thought he could win in the UFC. And as we all saw when he tried to do a buckshot lariat, the man doesn't have an athletic bone in his body. Wow. I mean, he has an athletic bone enough to be a professional wrestler, but he's not a pure athlete. He's no Cesaro. Uh, Claudio he's no, he's no flipping Serpentico as an athlete. Mm. <laughs> you know? He's no Logan Paul as an athlete. Well, yes. I mean, you mentioned you watched his three matches. I know we're darting all over the shop, but there's a man who surpassed expectations. But when I watched those matches, to be honest, I was expecting him to be even better given all the hype around him. He was a celebrity doing wrestling. He was doing it as well as any celebrity's ever done it. He had and it didn't it didn't surprise me how easily he took to it. Yeah. Because he's a high school state wrestler. He's has boxed. 
He clearly is an athlete. He has the size. He's always been muscular. You know, mm. he's always had that frame and that muscular frame. So he looked he looked like Angelico, I always thought. Do you remember? Oh, he had the yeah, same yeah. Sort of, but maybe even taller. And he has basic timing. And he is a showman. There will be people writing books about Logan Paul in like a hundred years time. Not just Logan Paul, but those people. That generation of a new type of celebrity who has evolved and has had to re... He basically has to reinvent what platform he's on in the same way that like David Bowie or Madonna have to reinvent their looks every few years. Yeah. He's one... adaptable and he's malleable and he's a sponge and he absorbs this stuff. And oh. Triple H, who I bet had his hands over all of this, seems to have a knack for producing the part-time show-off, one-off match. You know, you look at her yeah. first match with Ronda Rousey, and that's still maybe the best match Ronda Rousey's ever been in, it was is. that tag team match. At least the most exciting, the one that gets the crowd going and you talk yeah. about it fully positive. Yeah, and the thing is, it's the application of effort mm-hmm. on Logan Paul's part, because we have someone who ticks not all of the same boxes, but a lot of the same boxes that you've just mentioned in Tyson Fury. But he couldn't be asked. He, he didn't want to get hurt. So oh. he just stumbled around the ring with Braun Strowman. Yeah. But Logan threw himself into this. I thought one of the most interesting points as well that they made was that you can argue that also the, the Saudi Arabia match also proved that Jake Paul almost certainly did knock out all of those fighters that he's been fighting because... We've now seen what a fake punch that Logan Paul does looks like. <laughs> Unless the, the person taking it was paid enough that they just put their hands down and were willing to get a concussion for the amount of money that they were paying him, which is also equally plausible. But again, we, we're, we in, a weird world, we're in a weird cultural world that I don't really interact with that much anymore because you don't have to. But it's like the biggest song of this year was a song from 37 years ago. Yeah. <laughs> because it was on a telly show. And my cousin's daughter now just loves 80s music. That's what she loves listening to as a result of Stranger Things. It's... Culturally, we are all over the shop. At this yeah, we're, we're, well, that's why wrestling no longer feels weird, because everything's weird and everything's intermingling with each other now. Which is good, though. I, I like it. It is good in so many ways. I think it's also symbolic that it's harder to stand out now. or, or Like, there's less people that define themselves by one thing. You know, you don't see that many punk rockers. Someone who's yeah. got a Mohican or something. You don't see a metal head. You don't see mods. You don't see, you know, you don't see hippies. You see old, you don't see young hippies. You do see old generations but it's of like, those things. Well, I mean, what we have seen this year is uh, mullets, even on one Dominic Mysterio. I never, ever thought that would make a comeback. I always figured moustaches and facial hair would make a comeback when mm. it was like the early, late 90s, but I did not expect the mullets. There was a, yeah. one day in the summer I was out and about and I saw three different types of mullets. That was a shock, but... Yeah. I mean, you you mentioned Dominic Mysterio. There's someone who turned his, like, career around uh, this year. Gone from just, like, a man who's, like, just happened to be related to Rey Mysterio to a fleshed-out character who's actually funny. Yeah, but I don't know whether there's anything to go there after all this ends. And that actually brings me back to one of the problems I've had with AEW as well. One of the things with AEW is they're amazing at building someone up, but they can never find a way to sustain their levels at this point. Like, this year, they built up to a fantastic level. The Acclaimed, they built up FTR, Ricky Starks in the most recent weeks and months, Jamie Jamie Hayter. Well, that's the thing. Right at the start, Wardlow. 
But by the end of the year, Wardlow's getting his hair cut off by Samoa Joe. Now, that might be leading to something later on. But there's definitely less excitement when Wardlow walks out now compared to when there was seven, eight months ago. And will that be also the same for all the excitement that we hold right now for the acclaimed and Ricky Starks and FTR? Well, FTR, see, I think they know that themselves. So FTR are going to be the ones to really watch in 2023. I think they're rebooting. That's exactly what... Well, they've got to now, because they literally just dropped the last of their three titles that were, like, what made them the hottest acts in wrestling. Yeah. But it also shows as well that maybe we shouldn't be so quick to just shit all over everything. There's so much negativity around a lot of what FTR did sort of post that first Young Bucks match. Like, the proud and powerful storyline never really took off. They were just ultimately, like, fourth and fifth bananas for Mm. MJF during his storyline with CM Punk, which, remember, was what was at the start of this year, was like them going into the CM Punk MJF feud. Yeah, I mean, we had, like, we, for all the in-ring stuff from CM Punk this year, was a mixed bag, but we had one of the most compelling matches I've seen in quite some time, that, that dog collar match. But yeah, though weirdly, that one's not one that's going high on the match of the year things, because of, like, this weird technical requirements that we have, and, you know, it was it was something different, and that's... That's been the ultimate ideological battle, you know. We've been saying so often this year, it seems to be so much a, are you a Sean guy or are you a Brett guy? And I think it, that that was even down to this big fight that took place backstage in the modern day equivalent of the Montreal screw job, which is, which is more just something that, like, this blurring of reality with fiction and also so many he said, she said, he barked, he bit, and weirdly the dog barked, but it didn't bite. Yeah. Um, that there's never going to be a true final story to that. There's never going to be a definitive version of events for that. Just as there is for the Montreal Screwjob. There are still people to this day that think that's a work. People and love so, for there to be a conspiracy, though. Well, there were so many people that were saying, well, this is obviously a work. And obviously, if at some point in 2023 we get CM Punk and FTR versus Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks, then they'll feel vindicated for thinking that. Whereas in reality, what that is, is people realising there's money on the table still, and let's make money. It's, because it was weird, because like, I know Brian Alvarez was, has been so adamant that this, that's never going to happen. And it feels more likely that it won't happen than it will happen, but it doesn't feel impossible that it will happen. I think CM Punk still mm. wants to wrestle again. And yeah. if you can't wrestle in WWE, and you can't wrestle in AEW, where is there for him to wrestle? He's already so banged up that he can't, <laughs> yeah, go at the pace they want to go. And well, will New Japan be big enough? A big enough place for him to go? Maybe Vince will offer him something in his new startup company. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's unpack the WWE one so more because obviously you mentioned Vince in his new company. Vince would have done business with CM Punk. Would will Triple H? Triple H would love to because Triple H would love to show that like Vince. How Vince ended up working with Brett again. Triple H would love to be able to show I work with Punk again. And maybe somewhere down the line he can even force Punk to eat some crow in a more subtle way. But Punk, you know, Triple H never has to look up to the lights for Punk. And if he can offer Punk, hey, you can main event WrestleMania against Roman Reigns. I don't think Punk would say no necessarily. It would have to be for the right money and the right situation. Yeah, but... Punk has a very limited amount of time that he can do anything. Now. Exactly, like, his his physical window is closing fast, really. Because he spent so many of those years getting himself mentally healthy and everything, but also getting the shit kicked out of him in an octagon. 
I think one of the things with AEW now is that it's like, it's gone through, you know, it's three years old now. It's gone on for so long that they've literally now, tonight, after we've recorded this on the first Dynamite of the new year, there's going to be a complete set redecoration. Redecoration's probably a very 70s British way of putting it. But, you know, they're, they're, re- they're rebranding. Rebranding. And I think that's wise. I think I think every promotion should rebrand their TV presentation at least every five years. WWE sort of do it, but don't do it. That basic I've, Tron setup's been the same since 1997 now. For now, I think that will start changing more in 2023 mm. uh, with WWE. But with AEW, I think the rebranding's more about a lick of pain. Yeah. I think it's about shaking off the hoodoo of the last six months. Well, it's so weird because... It's kind of reminiscent of 2010's WWE a lot of the time, when there was so much negativity around the storylines and the presentation. Yeah. But the talent they had contracted was so good that when it boiled down to pay-per-views that were just wrestling match after wrestling match, they often exceeded expectations. Everyone was so, so down on Forbidden Door. Mm. And it ended up being a lot of people's favourite show of the year. Well, Forbidden Door, they, they sort of neglected it until it was, like, almost too late. They didn't really, mm. like... Well, they did, but they also well. were kept losing people. Yeah. Oh, yeah, of course, because we lost uh, Daniel Bryan. We lost uh, a few New Japan guys. I think a couple to COVID and a couple to injury. Hiromu, I think, was one of them. Mm. And there's also just the politics behind it all. You know, yeah. certain people can't lose, so we put them in tag team matches so that they can lose but not take the pin, etc., yeah. etc. And there's but... no emotion behind the storylines as well, which always is the big problem. It did symbolise like a significant step for New Japan in America. Mm. Eh, sort of didn't, sort of didn't. Yeah, I mean, no, yeah, I know what you're saying because they have worked with WCW in the past, so it's not brand brand new, but it's the first time they've like worked with an American company to that extent in a long time. I think the New Japan relationship with AEW has helped out of everyone the most is Will Ospreay. Yes, when Will Ospreay is up for a bidding war, a three-way bidding war, because AEW will want him, WWE will want him, and New Japan will desperately want him. Because it's funny, because I don't think there will be as many bidding wars anymore. I say that, but then Bandido has one big match with Chris Jericho, sparks a bidding war, gets signed, and I haven't seen Bandido since then, have you? No, I don't subscribe to Honor Club, so probably not, no. But that's the thing, like, it's so it's so fast and that. Do you remember there was a week where Bandido was the hottest thing in wrestling? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Do you remember when Wheeler Yuta was suddenly seen as the future after his match with John Moxley? Uh, a, again, and, and this, one of the things which has slowed AEW down links to, because as part of the prep for this, I listened to our uh, previous year in review, well, you talked about like how Ring of Honor might exist as like some sort of world of sport zombified thing. Mm. So Tony Khan goes out and buys the bloody thing. The number two it... company in wrestling buying arguably the number four. Yeah. Sews it into sort of like Hugo and Bart sort of tries to sew it together so it sort of can coexist. It was almost so... like the scrappy do. Yeah. Of pro to, wrestling. To sort of to, to incubate it so why he could try and get a TV deal for it. Mm. Has well, effectively failed to do so, and now we've got it on its own streaming service. They planned to build it around Cesaro to begin with. Castagnoli, sorry. Then they put the belt just all of a sudden on Chris Jericho, and you knew that was like... I think everyone could tell. Oh, they're struggling with negotiations. 
they put the belt on Jericho. Then they're like, hey, Chris Jericho will be on the show, hey, at least for the first couple of months. And they couldn't get it. That is a huge, huge deal. Because Tony Khan, AEW, and I mean, the, one of the biggest things as well for next year to look out for is how well Fight Forever does. Like mm-hmm. culturally, econo- you know, economically. Because they said that they were in the red. Remember, there was that whole thing about them being in the red and, you know, a couple of, like 18 months ago. And everyone's like, nah, 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 nah. They're like, well, that's because we put so much money into the computer game. Yeah. So that needs to pay off. It is interesting because they are going for a different model with the computer game. They're going to do the roster updates as DLC. Mm. They're not going to do the annual model. Or the 2K thing. Yeah, a la 2K or FIFA, apparently. So I don't know if they'll do it for free because some games do give out all their DLC for free. Some games put a nominal charge in. Some games put a significant charge in. Not fully okay with what their business model is going to be. They have a smorgasbord of options. There was a rumor it was going to be a day one release on Xbox Game Pass, which would be quite significant in terms of it would get a lot of eyes mm. onto AW's product. But then again, I don't know the exact business. If that deal's true, the exact business nature of it, who it actually benefits more. Well, I mean, I, I don't know anything about computer games. Like my, The games I play now are the, on the New York Times crossword app that's that's the computer game i play that would be big because i know there are people who love like wcw nwo revenge or no mercy things yeah. like that and they're not into wrestling but they love the wrestling computer games the mate mate mine kieran tolerated me talking about wrestling but he actually actively enjoyed playing smackdown yeah one of the smackdown games whatever smackdown game it was it was around in like 2003 uh, well that's the arguably the apex of the whole SmackDown series was that one because that you're talking about Here Comes the Pain. Okay. All I know which, is that we, which, we played which Elimination not... Chamber a lot and he liked yeah. playing as Chavo Guerrero a lot. Yeah. Like whenever he hit someone, he'd go, Chavo, Chavo, Chavo. <laughs> Many people still view Here Comes the Pain as the best WWE game ever to be released. Even above, is that one of those like, you know... It's a generational thing, but yes. Is that, is that, is that the Brett Sean of the wrestling online world? SmackDown I would say so. I would say so. Here comes the pain versus no mercy. Yeah. Anyway, so yeah, we've been a bit all over the place, but that's kind of what this year's been. Structurally, this year's like been a, been a mess in the wrestling world. Do you, know, do, you know, do you know what happened this year, Simon? Go on. NXT UK ended. Yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> now, for those uh, listeners who haven't listened to our 2021 in review, the reason Lorcan's crowing a little bit about that is because that was a prediction I initially had in our predictions, but I ceded to him uh, out of the kindness of my heart and proceeded to get shafted by that. That's true, actually. We usually start this by talking about what we predicted would happen this year, last year. But I want to wind this down now. I've kind of... New Japan, I just don't... It's weird. I mean, obviously, the biggest event for them this year is Antonio Inoki dying, but that's a symbolic thing rather than a news thing. They're now starting to allow fans to cheer again, but they really seem reluctant to be doing so. When I, from what of Wrestle Kingdom I watched, the uh, it does change towards the end of the show, but the opening matches, they're just not sure how to yeah. be. Well, the thing is that there are still rules, aren't there? It's like you can do one thing, but you can't chant. So you can do, you can laugh, but you can't, <laughs> whatever. So they're probably just trying to think in their heads now. Can we do this? That'll be the other thing. This year alone, you can see 
that there have been good things from each company, but there have also been quite shocking things. Mm. For all the good that AEW had with some of its great pay-per-view matches and like great little certain promos and certain moments with certain superstars, they've spent the last six months sort of like correcting a creative and CM Punk-shaped tales slash elite being off TV tailspin. Mm. WWE, for all of its like good things it's done, in the post-Vince uh, era, and some in the pre-Vince era. Mm. Pat McAfee got his WrestleMania win, but then Vince, for some reason, decided he had to get a win over Pat McAfee at WrestleMania. Didn't Pat say he wanted to wrestle Vince? And, like, if he wanted that to happen, he wanted Vince to beat him. I don't know. Who the fuck knows? It, that, that does sound like something Pat would... There's something we've not talked about. Stone Cold Steve Austin <laughs> wrestled this year. <laughs> I'm kind of glad that we held it off because it was that was one of the things throughout the whole year was everyone's going, hey, do you remember Stone Cold Steve Austin wrestled this year? Yeah. And how amazing is it that, like, Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn, as indie as indie could get back in the day. They were WrestleMania's... Li- the WrestleMania's linchpins yeah. on one night were Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn, and Pat McAfee. <laughs> yeah, but they all kind of did what they had to do. That's another one, actually, as well. Just quickly to go back to Triple H. One of the things everyone thought he would do is like, well, he's got his favourites and so many of them did get rehired. You know, both on screen and William Regal and others. So he's trying to bring back what he had before. But I think the most interesting thing that Triple H did this year was how he treated Austin Theory. Because there was a guy that everyone said he's Vince's boy. And Vince was pushing him to the moon. You know, the the plan seemed to be that he would face John Cena at some point. Maybe they'll still do it. I I wouldn't rule that out still happening. Yeah, exactly. But that's what's so fascinating. When he left, everyone was like, well, if Triple H wants to exert his authority, he'll do unto Austin Theory what Vincent Mann did unto all his old NXT guys and all his other employees. That Roman Reigns line, your daddy is here anymore. Exactly. And everyone thought, and then he loses his money in the bank title shot after trying to take it for the US title. Yes. So everyone was like, well, this is the ultimate, ultimate burial. But then Triple H like, no, he's going to be a big star. But I'm going to make him a big star in the right way. And that's by putting him in long matches, giving him promos where he's not just reciting Vince's lines and not being seen as Vince's lackey. He, like, learns from this. He takes a humiliation... And builds from it. And in the last Raw we had, he beat Seth Rollins in a 23-minute match, which is another thing we're seeing in Triple H's stuff. Long matches on TV. One of the interesting things, which... Because I am one of those people where you should never have let someone cash in on a non-world title. It just makes your whole... Makes that person look terminally stupid. They semi-retconned it. Yeah. With him going... Well, how am I meant to beat the bloodline? Like, the one chance he had of, like, stopping the bloodline when most of them didn't travel to clash at the castle, Tyson Fury got involved and knocked him out. Because he had a moment. He had a moment where he could have pinned Roman. But then some other knob got involved and cost it for him. So I think it was... You could... They made it work. You could headcanon it. That's the point where he's like, I'm never going to get close enough. And it's always these things that everyone's always like, oh, it's it for them. And just things like theories rise from that. And he's like, seems much more legit now. 
than he did before. He's kind of where Seth Rollins was during the Team Authority years, in a weird way, yeah. without, the, without the world title necessarily, but with the Money in the Bank stuff, I suppose. That's kind of where he is. And it, it just shows that like anyone can be rebuilt. FTR, everyone shits on them. Then they're the hottest thing in wrestling. Anyone can become the hottest thing in wrestling in a very short space of time. Ricky starts get beaten in like less than a minute by Powerhouse Hobbs on a pay-per-view. Mm. One battle royal and one awesome promo. And he's potentially will be a pay-per-view. You know, he's working with Jericho and that can go one of two ways. You know. Well, I mean, there's a man who's after his health scare when he was on tour with Fozzie in the UK. His in-ring work's massively improved. Well, he lost all that weight, and although I think that was last year, and he's kind of kept it off for the most part. It's it's a curious thing. Well, Chris Jericho, the thing that's annoying me about Chris Jericho is that it seems like it's his work behind the scenes that's going to stop Punk from coming back before anyone else, it seems, almost. All because CM Punk didn't tag him in on the house show. If you believe that. <laughs> but that's the weird thing. Like We're seeing now. Because it's a more open world out there and wrestlers can take their ball and leave, we're kind of returning to those 80s, 90s days of, well, I'm not going to lose to him. I'll leave even if I'm the champion, so you just got a vacant championship and sort that out. Well, there is a rumour that's why that's one of the creative pitches that was pitched to Miro to lose to Ricky Starks to make him look good yeah. for the MGF match. The rumour is he said no, so Ethan Page was like, well, I'll do it. Mm. Yeah, but who's to say? I mean, Ethan Page, all ego is not just a gimmick. He has burned some bridges in his past as well. You Gabe Sapolsky you doesn't have a lot of nice things to say about him. You can't <laughs> be a professional wrestler without an ego. Well, they now have this power, and that's also going to be one of the things I'm going to use for my Mount Rushmore. And we're in a different world now. We're in a very different world. But also, there's so much turmoil. I think next year will be less eventful than this year. I don't, I don't see how it can top it, really. But, again, we've said that. We've said that before. Before. I have hope going into this year. I have hope that WWE will continue to not be terrible, which is really all we can hope for with it, to an extent. <laughs> there is, like, you know, Triple H still parrots the line of there used to be smoky halls that wrestling was in. You know, he he's a WWE guy through and through. He's been institutionalized as well. Oh, yeah. But he, he is more in touch with reality, at least at this point, than Vince's. Now, maybe Triple H, if he's still running the ship in 2032, is every bit as delusional as Vince McMahon has been in recent years and every bit as out of touch. But in this moment, in this time period, I think WWE is going to be better. And as a weird result, and also I, I would not be surprised the way that they presented Cody, that was what Vince was doing. And Vince was doing that on purpose to make it look like, hey, guys in AEW, there's some very green grass here. I mean, as a reason I think MJF be... says the bidding yeah. war of 2024. Well, you know, the, with MJF, it's kind of, it's almost Andy Kaufman-like and it's hard to see what's real and what's not. I'll be curious to see if there are as many unbleeped fucks on AEW Dynamite next year as there are this year. Or in 2023 as there are in 2022. There's, there's a record to be aimed at, anyway. Yeah. <laughs> I'll tell you what, I'm not predicting it, but I really want at least one pay-per-view to be main-evented on AEW. A Swerve, a Ricky Starks. I've said this to you and I've said this to other people. I think if you book it right, you can believably have one of the, you know, the what is it? So it's Revolution, then what is it? Is it Full Gear? So it's Revolution. All oh. Out? Revolution All Out? No, it's Revolution Double and Nothing All Out. Okay. 
I think then, you could very um, believably do Double or Nothing okay. or All Out. If you do it right, you could headline one of those two shows with Jamie Hayter versus Jade Cargill. If you do it right, you can do that. And I think AEW should be aiming to do that this year, having a woman's main event. Oh, there's another one. Soraya coming back. Yeah. All sorts of crazy crap. Thunder Rosa disappearing. Interim titles becoming a thing. I don't know if that's uh, an experiment that's now been ended. King System. I always yeah. told you, don't apply maths to art. It takes everyone time to figure it out, but even Tony Khan's figured it out now. Pretty much the only win-loss record anyone's paying any attention to anymore is still is Jade Cargill's. Yeah. And that's why I think if you end it now, it needs to be on a pay-per-view, and you might as well make it your main event. And that's another thing. I, I don't have any doubt in my money that WWE will throw so much money at Jade Cargill, and she will definitely go to the highest bidder. She will not feel any, and nor should she feel any loyalty to anyone. No. And so AEW needs to extract maximum value out of her. I'm very happy for the rise that Jamie Hayter's had because I, what I love about Jamie Hayter's act, and this is not just a slight to women's wrestling, it's a slight to all wrestling from a lot of people nowadays. She puts welly into everything she does. When she hits a, a you know, her version of the Rainmaker. Hater Aid. She's going full force with that arm. Oh yes, <laughs> you know? and that's because that's something, especially when the WWE were, the, they were training women, and you know, I, I, someone showed that was the thing I was making rounds on Twitter, like a proper like early two thousands indie like move, move, move standoff spot, or and like saying, look at how well trained all these young athletes are, and it's like this is not the way they should be getting trained. Yeah, <laughs> uh... there is going to be politics in wrestling. I think that'll be the big story of this decade, actually, the return of politics to wrestling. Mm. And the return of like, well, we were already there, really. Whether it's storyline or not, but MJF just being gone for three months after threatening to not turn up to that match and war, yeah, seeming to in real life say you kind of fucked me over there and not hiding it. And Dax Harwood seeming to piss off half the roster with just one podcast episode. Well, yeah, what's well, we live in a world where everything's more accessible. Mm-hmm. Um. But it's not like similar stuff was being said on like AOL forums in the 90s or anything like that. No, but they were being said in bars and people half cut and wanted to smash a promoter over the head with a bottle if he screwed him over the wrong way. Or, or you know, to. stab someone in the chest with a pair of scissors. Mm-hmm. Or murder them in a shower in Puerto Rico. <laughs> yeah, I mean... You're right, but what a way Let's to... Let's never what, goes what back. What a way to 11 a reef me there. Jesus. <laughs> I've got so many Mount Rushmore's, I'm going to have to talk about all the backups, and we didn't cover everything, but fuck it. We're already four days into the year. New Japan. We could have done some Wrestle Kingdom predictions, but we can't. It's intriguing where that's going with Kenny Omega winning it. So it's like, well, if he's winning it, it's not a one and done. There's going to be more Omega with New Japan, and that's fascinating in and of itself. Maybe it won't be another Forbidden Door... But it's always that worry, because one of the things I wasn't one of the things I predicted last year was that Brian Danielson would do the G one. Yes, that and was one of your predictions, and that didn't happen. And now that I look back at it, I'm like, yeah, if I was Tony Khan and one of some guy I'm paying a lot of money, I wouldn't want him going over to another promotion to wrestle ten, eleven. Well, it turned out in hindsight, it was six high intensity matches when yeah. a guy that already has a limited shelf life left anyway and will not, and it will go full bore to do that you know i mean yeah half of those matches will be against guys like yujiro takahashi now but <laughs> i'll be curious if that g1 format remains of blocks of seven and i think 
It was a mess, that G1. Um, I think we covered one match for Five Star Project. Back in the day, that would have been three to four max. Pretty much our August and September was booked out. With yeah, that's, that is true. I think, you know how you said earlier, you can't apply maths to art. I mean, mm. there's only so many times you can do win losses to turn out a certain way and have drama on a certain night with just mm. two groups. Mm. Maybe. Well, the big problem was it was like one group A match, two group B matches, and no group C or D. And then the next match, next show will be one group D match, one group A match. Um, just do it like the World Cup. Yeah, yeah, that's how they should have done it. Like two matches from two of the blocks. Oh, but then, but then you'd, your final uh, group round, you'd have to have like three or four rings side by side. That's oh, a WCW. Well, yeah, if you do it, fully did it that way. But fortunately, Infantino's not in charge of wrestling. Ha! For now, anyway. Ha. Today, I feel no. <gasps> Maybe Vince will try and take Roger Goodell's job. Nah. <laughs> I'm, you know what? I'm contradicting myself because I said earlier, never rule anything out. <laughs> and then he'll fuck the rock over with the XFL deal. <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> so before we go into our predictions, just remind us, Simon, what were our predictions last time? Well, I'd like to say I'm glad you asked. I'm not really, <laughs> but here we are. I'm going to rip the band-aid and do mine first. Okay. So my first prediction was for Wardlow to turn on MJF in the second half of 2022. Overshot on that one because obviously that, that happened in the first half of 2022 mm-hmm. when he left out the Dynamite Diamond ring for CM Punk to use after allegedly not being able to find it initially. My second prediction was for Kazuchika Okada to sweep Wrestle Kingdom and to bring back the old belt. So I got a half point for that because he did sweep Wrestle Kingdom, but he didn't bring back the uh, old IWGP Heavyweight Championship. The prediction which I gave away and we've, we've, we've talked about uh, was for NXT UK to be wound up. That became one of Lorcan's predictions. My third official prediction was for uh, GCW to run a four to five K arena. Well, everyone's been talking about GCW in 2022, haven't they, Simon? Yep. My last official prediction was for Bron Breaker to be called up to the main roster by September. <laughs> Lorcans? Yeah. He's he's already told you one. He predicted for Brian Danielson to be in the G1. That did not happen. He was bequeathed with NXT UK to be wound Wait a minute, how are we saying bequeath? I'm guessing I was also predicting it as well and one of us had to give it up. It wasn't like I heard your prediction and say, I'm taking that. No, no, it was on both of our sheets, but... There we go. And you claimed that prediction at least one or two years before that as well. So that's probably why we gave it, you know. Well, there we are. But But you got it and you got the point for it. Damn right. You had Cody Rhodes the challenge for the AEW title. Well, I mean, that was all kinds of craziness. We must have recorded that before we even knew that he was going to uh, go. And that's uh, a crazy thing. Like we talked, about, that was one thing we said at the time. Cody Rhodes, you know, was the talk of wrestling for the first half, first quarter of the year. Although it did seem at one point that WWE didn't want him. Do you remember that? Yes. And it was like, was he going to just end up on NWA, like <laughs> fighting Tyrus for the world title? Impact. <laughs> and that didn't happen. But then he then he had two five star matches in the year, one in AEW and one in WWE. And that will happen before, you know, he spent half the year on the injured list. Yeah, and his WWE one was with one working tit. Mm. Your last prediction 
was for AEW to release talents, but you put the parentheses of not necessarily future endeavouring them, but not renewing their contracts. Now, we had... There are, were probably were minor examples. I couldn't... Well, we had it with Cody. <laughs> we couldn't immediately think of them. I gave it to you pure, purely on the William Regal situation because he did ask to be released from his contract yeah. and was granted it. And the Blackpool Combat Club continues. And we saw one of the uh, seldom-seen trope in wrestling, the use of the should-anything-bad-happen-to-me video. I know. That I, I said this to you. I didn't mind that. I, I liked it. I said that they could, they should do an angle six, seven, nine months down the line or whatever, where MJF spends a whole dynamite being beaten the crap out of by everyone. Like, everyone that he's double-crossed over the... Not just whatever the nine months were where he's overturned every diff- challenge by hook or by crook, but, like, ones even beyond that. And that he's, like, in a heap in the ring. Maybe he's crawling up the ramp, and then they bring back up the William Regal promo. Of him saying, just be thankful for, careful for what you wish for, because now you've got it. Yeah. Maybe he's like bleeding and like his blood's pouring on the world title. You know, I'd like that would be one thing I'd like for next year. Less blood, please. Yeah. Well. Mm. I mean, we've already had it for one of the matches. We're, that we're, we're obviously not going to cover later on. But I know you want it. I I don't think you're going to get it. <laughs> Sadly. You're not the first person that said that to me. <laughs> wow. Uh, so yeah, th- those were our 2021 predictions. Okay, um, so I'll go first this time. Oh, do we not want to rush more this year before we predict? Well, let's next? do the predictions and then we'll do the okay. Rushmore. Yeah, you well, go you first. Want to, well, do you want to do Rushmore or do you want to do predictions first? Uh, let's do Rushmore because it's okay. chronological. All right, well, you go first for that one then. Okay, so I've got so many backups because there are some uh, obvious ones. And obviously, we only have one. Have one definitive one. So, my first Rushmore moment is the Forbidden Door pay-per-view itself, because... Okay. I, and it speaks a little bit to the generational side of, of us within this podcast world, because yeah. I alluded to the fact that, obviously, WCW and New Japan did work together a lot during uh, WCW's pomp, but I wasn't really like privy to that at the time. So, for me to see such a detailed... Uh, in-depth sewn together card in terms of it's not one wrestler from another promotion turning up it's through and through mm. new japan and AEW. not detailed and build obviously. and it's the politics of it because it's like everyone gets upset that osprey's put against orange cassidy and it's like well orange cassidy is the guy that they know can we they can allow him to lose to an outsider and it doesn't harm him and yeah. they have a great match and the gimmick works still and he holds the ever so prestigious All Atlantic Championship that was uh, wrestled for on that. You want less blood? I want less title bouts in AEW. <laughs> well, now with Ring of Honor going, hopefully that'll be the start of it. Yeah. So yeah, Forbidden Door, first, first on my Mount Rushmore. Mm-hmm. Second, Stone Cold Steve Austin wrestling again. Yeah. Because I a Stone Cold it... Steve Austin wrestled this year. Yeah. <laughs> Let's remember that. A as a man who obviously saw. His him coming out with Mick Foley and Shawn Michaels live at WrestleMania 32 to beat up the League of Nations. Remember the <laughs> League of Nations. <laughs> I have insane amounts of envy for those people who got to see him actually wrestle live. That must have been like an iconic moment. And he took a suplex on the outside. Yeah, it wasn't like a rock pinning Eric Rowan in six seconds thing. No. They went for it. 
I've boiled the next two down to specific moments because I could quite rightly, in my opinion, say just then, but I know we like to pin it down to moments from Mount Rushmore. So for me, I have the acclaimed winning the title from Swerving Our Glory. For, for me, for me, seeing a properly homegrown tag team in AEW hit the top. Well, it's not just that. I mean, that was part of the whole bigger thing that I think it's around that point. There was never a point, I think, where there was one day where literally the champion, the All-Atlantic champion, the TV champ, the TNT champion, the tag champs and the women's champs were all homegrown stars. Yeah. But it was bloody close to it. And they're still close to it now. I love the acclaim. Everyone loves the acclaim. Everyone loves the acclaim. (laughs) When you see, hear JR go, yo, listen, you just know. (laughs) You just know that's something special. It's fascinating, like, updates on the New Age Outlaws, complete with Billy Gunn. I mean, Billy Gunn being as over as he is in 2020. It's crazy in and of itself. And it's now weird now that we're getting so many wrestlers that are, like, managed or accompanied by wrestlers from the old days who are significantly taller than them. Yeah. (laughs) It is is weird as well, because Billy Gunn's basically getting cheered for hitting his kids at times. (laughs) Is that all you... Is that your Mount Rushmore? No, 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 no. My last one. It's very rare... I don't watch a lot of WWE these days. I, I have made my commitment um, in terms of time and stuff. I watch AEW Weekly, but I don't watch WWE Weekly. But I'll see moments that stick out. The moment I've re-watched the most... I do have an honourable mention, but I'll save it after, until after your uh, Rushmore's because I don't want to tread on you too much. Is the Sami Zayn, Jay's just not feeling very oozy promo. Because I think that perfectly encapsulates the Sami Zayn character in 2022. It's it was gold. It's just pure gold. And there's other moving parts in the promo when Jay says, "I don't care what the tribal chief yeah. thinks," and you just see Roman's face in the background as he looks up like, "You fucking what?" <laughs> That's a great sign as well when a character is so well defined that you know what their reaction to something's gonna be. Yeah. You know the consequences of saying that. So, are those all four? Have you done all four? Those, those are all my four. So, to recap, Forbidden Door, uh-huh. Stone Cold Steve Austin Wrestling, Yeah. Uh, the acclaimed winning the title, and mm-hmm. Sami Zayn telling telling the world that Jay's just not feeling very oozy right now. So, no offence, Simon, you think the most important moments, there are four more important than Vince McMahon not being in charge of wrestling anymore. Uh, I knew that was going to get mentioned, and I knew. Oh, really? Well, oh, yeah, yeah. I knew it was. Well, yeah, that's up. why I thought basically all of the stuff that I put down, I expected you to do most of them. So that's obviously one of them. But I'm going to go through my backups because I had a lot of backups because I thought you were going to do like I thought there were three pretty bloody obvious ones. So you didn't go for any of them. I was thinking Cody Rhodes shifting from AEW to WWE and becoming yeah. a bigger star as a result of that in WWE than he ever had been, even complete with. The American Nightmare, the costume, the music, everything. And, you know, everyone kind of expects him to come back at the Royal Rumble and win it. I'm somewhat surprised that they've actually had him on TV. I think everyone was expecting it to be like a, you know... Yeah, but I think when it's edge so situation. obvious... His little Stardust uh, cartwheel hmm. moments into his match with Seth, I love that. Just the, the anyway. shithousery on, on his part. Anyway, so, yeah, so the backups. Cody, Logan Paul's involvement in him taking the wrestling like a duck to water. Regal both being kicked out of and then returning to the WWE. 
yeah, in one year, and in making quite a big impact in AEW, having the like all the stuff with MJF and all those promos. I wanted to put in the death of Inoki, but that's not really an event insofar as it being something that will be significant for the rest of the year or anything. It's just it's a big event, one of the ten most important wrestling figures in the history of pro wrestling. Yeah. Has, has gone and by the way listening back to that I didn't mention Gorgeous George amongst the 10 most important so I would have done that and I also re- renamed one guy the wrong surname but it doesn't matter just Bandido for a week being the biggest thing in wrestling <laughs> never hearing anything about him after that it was like so much of what sums up AEW in the negative mm. you know, the, the kid with just too many toys I also like on a personal just nerding out level like we were making it more personal, which you have obviously done with your bad route Rushmore choices. <laughs> was a fucking needless that was. <laughs> CM Punk coming out to AFI uh, in twenty twenty three. That was a good moment with the basketball shorts. Yeah, I kind of wish if I ever meet him, I'll I might ask him, "Did you ever think to go all out and actually dye your hair bleach blonde as well?" <laughs> Obviously, it's not as long as it was, but there was yeah. enough hair there to make it work. Yeah, like um, Zack Sabre Jr. Yeah, well. <laughs> so, yeah, those were all my backups. These are the four that I am going for. And one is a bit more out there, but I think it might be one of the ones that is, again, significant and more of a sign of where we are in 2022. But I'm doing the three obvious ones. As I've already said, Vince McMahon leaving. I thought you were so obviously going to choose that, that my obvious switch for that would be like a subcategory to just agree with that with you in general. Do you know what it is? Wait, wait, wait. Would have been having Michael Cole on TV just badmouth Sasha and Naomi for their (sighs) unprofessionalism. Yeah. So Vince going. Tony Khan buying ROH, but even more significantly to that, then subsequently failing to find a TV deal for them. Yeah. Because that, to me, is a sign and a worry. That was one thing I sent to you, wasn't it? That like the number of new shows being commissioned has fallen from 2019 by like 40%. The streaming wars are really screwing over the streamers. Yes. They are financially in a bad place. Customers are having the whale of a time. <laughs> they really... Ah! In relative terms, for what you're getting, for what you're spending... In nearly every field, you're right. Yeah. Except for sport. So much. That's why I'm not convinced AEW can always last, because it needs to last as long as they can get a TV deal. And I just don't see Tony Khan being willing to do... Or at least, okay, maybe AEW will last, because it's got such a strong brand name, but I'm not convinced it'll be the Tony Khan-fronted AEW. For various reasons. God knows if his dad dies, maybe Tony Khan will take over all of those companies and just won't have time for w- for wrestling anymore. As well as the Jaguars and Fulham. Exactly. So that could happen as well. But just, if he can't get it on a TNT or anything like that, I don't see him shopping it around to pop and being willing to work with like a fraction of the budget, which is what Impact Wrestling is now. Mm. You know, your champions are Josh Alexander. And that's not a slight on Josh Alexander. But he would say he's not Kurt Angle. He's not Sting. No. He's not Jeff Hardy. He may be in the future, but he isn't right now. Yeah. You know, and I can't and whilst I can see AEW ending up being something like that, it won't be with Tony Khan still running it on a day to day operation. Mm. And that's the scary thing because as we're saying, because of all the streaming wars, you're seeing mergers and all this bollocks going on now with Warner Brothers. A Warner Discovery, sorry, whatever the fuck that Toss is doing. Um, 
No, this is going to be, like, 2023 is just going to be a year of DC movies coming out that they probably won't even bother promoting because they, they don't care anymore about that stuff. Uh, it's just weird. Like, Aquaman's supposed to be coming out in, like, December. Oh. It could be just dumped on HBO Max. I mean, that Flash movie's probably never going to be see the light of day. I mean, well, it. for other but reasons as well. Be, be, the big problem with that merger is that they're in massive amounts of debt. And so then there's talk and I've seen this on multiple sources, that they're talking of merging with another company. Do you know what that other company is? I do not. NBC Universal. Ah, shit. And who do NBC Universal have? Now, if they stamp their foot down in the same way that Tony Khan should have stamped his foot on his talent this year and hopefully will in 2022 and hopefully will in 2023, we could get the dream WWE versus AEW interpromotional storyline we never thought we could have got. Oh, Christ. But that's not going to happen. No. But what could very well happen is that that meaning that we can only have one wrestling promotion. Well, which one are we going to go with? Mm-hmm. And because Vince McMahon's gone and there's obviously there's no longer that fear of, well, when Vince isn't in charge, it's not going to be the same. The share price shows, if anything, it's better. Yeah. <laughs> and who knows? Like at that time, NBC Universal might merge. But after they've just bought WWE, so like, well, we've just dropped four billion on something. So <laughs> anyway, so yeah, that whole... Tony Khan not being able to find a TV slot for ROH and now just putting it on their own streaming service that ROH already had. Mm. And AEW still failing to find a, an outlet for their streaming rights outside of, you know, they've got Fight here, but that's not where it is in America, is it? Or Is there a place in America where you can just get all the old dynamites? I'm not sure, you know. Exactly. There is no AEW equivalent to the WWE Network yet. You'd think that would maybe what they'll want by this time next year. And that was one of the things that they, you know, CM Punk was so excited about what he could do with all his archival Ring of Honor stuff. Yeah. And that might be gone as well. The gripe bomb, I've got to put it down, because it was so insane. It was so predictable and yet so unpredictable at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> CM Punk, the Homer driving past, saying, after playing Mr. Burns' head like a bongo. That's for employing me for, well, a year. <laughs> Okay. And my last one, which is something we haven't... I think we may have alluded to it briefly at one point. My last one is one that's a little bit more out there, but I think this is significant in and of itself and maybe the most 2022 news story out of it all. Go on. Mandy Rose being fired for having her own fan site thing, for being too revealing, from a company that used to have yearly playboy pictorials hire bikini models instead of wrestlers and teach them to wrestle as much as they wanted to and then rewarding whoever does the nude playboy centerfold with a match at wrestlemania their talent in the ring be damned or not the story the crazy story that i heard was that not only was christy hemi forced into that against trish stratus that apparently afterwards she had to apologize to vince for how bad her, the match was jesus if that's true again Visman's a terrible person, and I'm glad he's had some form of a comeuppance. Mm. But Mandy Rose then, like saying the week after that, she made a hundred thousand dollars. Good for you. So I'm going to revise your figures slightly. She's earned a million. Good for you. According to Fan Time, she's the first person to top a million on their platform, I believe. That's what I said. And she didn't take a damn bump to do that. No. 
And I bet those photos are no more of... Well, they're obviously less revealing than what the tr- Tory Wilson and Sable and them like, had to do for Playboy. Or uh, no more revealing, anyway. Yeah. And, you know, all they got... in, You know, all they had to do was like that. I, I wonder what percentage they used to make from those diva photo shoot DVDs and that. I'm, I bet it wasn't close to a million dollars. But that's like the most 2022 news story to me. Okay, I understand. I understand why you've gone for that. And it's a sign that there is more... As it seems like now, you know, we've got strikes and everything going on. There does seem to be a case where people are just starting to feel like, fuck you to the bosses and actually realising maybe a bit more what their worth is. Yeah. And I'm all for that. (laughs) Not the unions. It then leads to dogs being pushed out of places and chairs being thrown and people biting other people and them being surprised when they get fired. <laughs> but there we go. <laughs> That's the other end of the spectrum. Predictions. Ah, I'll wait, 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 wait. Sorry. Wait, oh, we've, we've got to make our definitive one. A definitive well, one. Well, what it is, let's face it, it's which of my nostalgic bullshit yeah. do I drop for Vince? Yeah. Out of the three, I am going to drop the acclaimed one. Okay. Fair enough. Because... Uh, as nice as it is, the other three, Sami Zayn's bigger in terms of like their storyline across the whole year. Mm. Austin's just, that's insane. And uh, New Japan working, navigating a political field that involves New Japan. Mm. There you go. There's, there, there, those it's not always easy. Things. Yeah. But to the predictions then. I'll go first this time. I only have one backup. Give you the one that I was thinking about, I was on me and Aring over, was whether to predict that MJF is still the AEW champion on the 31st of December 2023. And I'm not <laughs> using that one. So obviously that laughter suggests you are using that one, or you were planning to maybe use that one. I, I confirm that it's one of my seven. Okay. So these are the four I'm going with. I'm going with Will Ospreay to win the G1 Climax. I think Another one of my seven. There we go. I have Okada Omega 5 will happen, but I don't know if it will be in an AEW ring or a New Japan ring. And that one may not happen. They may hold out on that. But Omega beating Osprey suggests to me that, you know, they want more matches out. And you can't not have Okada Omega 5. It was supposed to happen at Madison Square Garden. It didn't. But maybe it will happen either at Madison Square Garden or Arthur Ashe or Sumo Hall. Or Osaka Joe Hall, or the Tokyo Dome, or Daly's maybe, Place, maybe even Daly's Place with a bit of, a bigger crowd. No, I, I'm, I'm taking the piss. It won't be Daly's Place. Put it in neutral ground. Put it in Craven Cottage. I'll go to that. <laughs> oh, we didn't talk about that. <laughs> no, we didn't talk about that. That's something I think when, if and when it happens, and if we can get tickets to that, that'll be a real interesting measurement as well for AEW because these we've never seen them. Who are the ones that get the biggest response? Because these will be the first times we'll have seen these guys in that capacity. Yeah. First time you'll see your Darby Allens, your Acclaims. I mean, we might have missed the entirety of CM Punk's run. But there we go. Okada Omega 5. I'm putting down Cargill to lose on a pay-per-view to Jamie Hayter. So I've, I was originally going to have Jay Cargill to lose, but I was like, you got to give it more. Where? When? I'm not going to say it's the main event, but I think she'll lose it. I don't want her to lose... I think it's also because I don't want her to lose it to Sasha Banks coming back because I want it to be a homegrown talent winning it from her. That was why I was so annoyed that Athena, when she turned up, that they put her straight with Jade Cargill because that was another one where you just clipping their wings, literally, in the case of 
uh, Athena. Yeah. <laughs> Unnecessarily. And my last one, Triple H will have to start doing the other thing that Vince used to do. He'll have to start releasing talents. And Triple H will release more than one talent. And I'm going to extend that so that even someone like Kevin Dunn can fall under that. But he will release more than one talent that has over 10 years of time within the WWE. I wouldn't be shocked if he got rid of Dolph Ziggler. I'd be a bit more surprised, but not entirely, if he got rid of The Miz. Because those are like, you know, not even that it's Vince's boys. It's just that there's only so much we can do with you. And they're not necessarily the ones that Triple H was ever big fans of in the first place. Or ones that are going to bring anything better that won't be improved by just them bringing Bron Breaker into the main roster or whatever. No. Right, so... So those are my four predictions. Osprey to win. I just, sorry, I just to clarify your last one. Mm. So that's Triple H to release more than one person mm-hmm. that has worked for WWE for 10 years or more. Yeah, 10 consecutive years or more. Okay, cool. So that, that, that was one. My other one, Jay Cargill will lose on pay-per-view to Jamie Hayter. Okada Omega 5. I won't say for which promotion. And Will Ospreay to win the G1 Climax. Okie dokie. So, my predictions. Well, you've heard one of my backups because Lorcan's used it. So, I'm down to six, one of which you already know. And sod it, one of which I'm going to use because I've kind of, like, gave the game away. So, my first prediction is MJF to hold the title. I wrote down for the whole year, but we'll use your specific marker. MJF to still be champion on December 31st, 2023. That's one of those, like, you know, when they always say more than 3.5 goals scored in a game. (laughs) Well, that's why I wanted you to clarify your 10-year thing. That's why I wanted to make sure I wrote that down properly. So I've got that one. Um, I'm going to do a bit of a you. Uh, What, be handsome and charming and talk over other people? Yes. But more, more primarily, I'm going to give a prediction, but I'm not going to tether myself to a promotion. CM Punk to wrestle in 2023. Okay. Deliberately not giving myself a promotion. <laughs> My left field one is the Iron Survivor match format that has been used in NXT in recent months to be used on the main roster in 2023. The only problem you have with that, I think, is that the logical place to put that would be the Survivor Series, but Survivor Series is already now seemingly going to be War Games. So I think the reason they did that on NXT was because NXT didn't have War Games anymore, and they wanted to give NXT its own gimmick match like they used to have. Potentially, potentially. I Look, I'm deliberately giving myself a left-field one, and when you see my backup ones, you'll see why, because okay. some of them are a little bit like too obvious. So I want, I, you know, I don't. I, there's, there's ways of winning, and I don't want to win them that way. My last prediction, primarily in part out of spite, and primarily because they want to, uh, that they, they do want to still launch NXT UK's replacement, NXT Europe. I am going to say WWE to hold a premium live event in mainland Europe. Will it be for the NXT European Championship? It will be a premium live event, and it will be in mainland Europe. So you're not and predicting it... an NXT European Championship to come along? I'm not necessarily predicting that, but I'm just predicting that they'll hold 
a premium live event on the continental Europe. Well, I was wondering, will they also do that whatever week it turns out that AEW are going to be in the UK? Hence why I mentioned spite. (laughs) Uh, What makes the world go round? Not love. Spite. So, my backups, you've heard one, because it's one of Lorcan's predictions. Will Ospreay to win the G1. And the reason I didn't select these two, because these were a bit barrel scraping and they are a bit... Well, one of them is just purely to piss you off, because it's what you predicted last year. Brian Danielson to enter the G1. I was just going to keep that joke going. Mm, like I said, though, if I'm Tony Khan, I don't let that happen. Yeah. And my other one was pure point scoring, because barring it's it seems the most nailed on of the things I've said would be Cody to win the WWE title, but I didn't want to stoop that low. It really is now a mystery of like, who do you give that win to? Because you've almost built it beyond any normal mortal human being. What was funny as well was when I was watching that um, Roman Reigns Logan Paul match. They said, "Oh, the last time Roman Reigns lost uh, was pinned was in on December fifteenth, twenty nineteen." So I looked back because I didn't say who. It was bloody Baron Corbin. <laughs> no wonder they don't want to say who it was. Yep. <laughs> It's so odd now that like everything gets stretched out so much longer, like title reigns and everything, and, and just gimmicks mm. in general. You look back at those 80s and 90s, some classic tag teams existed for like 18 months. <laughs> well, the Shield didn't last that long in their initial no. Well, again, in relative terms, they lasted like DX, the classic DX that we love, the, the Triple H, New Age Outlaws, and X-Pac sure. China version. That lasted 11 months. 12 if you count it from WrestleMania 14 to 15, but mm. China left, you know, turned on him in, like, January or February of that. Ah, okay. Right. So to it's clarify weird. mine, uh, MJF to still be champion on December 31st, 2023. So if he loses it and regains it, that means you your bet doesn't work. Yeah, still. Still. To hold it for the whole calendar year. Okay. I think they might run out of creative ideas to hold, keep him champ without just screwing literally everyone over. So I'm not. That's why I was reluctant to do that. Yeah, I can understand that. CM Punk to wrestle in 2023. You're not gonna show some balls and give us a promotion. Nope. No. Giving myself deliberate wiggle room on that one. <laughs> After being so specific on the previous one. Balls and wiggle room. That's always wise. Exactly. Switch to, bo- switch to boxer briefs. The Iron Survivor matches. An Iron Survivor match to take place on the main roster. And WWE to hold a premium live event on continental Europe. So if it's on in UK, you're not counting it. What no. if it's in Ireland? What if it's in Dublin? Oh, Are you going to go right. European Union Europe? Yeah, I'm gonna, I, I am. I'm going European <laughs> Union Europe. Well, if it's in Belfast, then that's really going to be a sticking point. <laughs> if it's in Norway, I'm buggered. <laughs> Oh, we're going to go into the Schengen and all that at this point. Fight on the fjord? Oh, come on, Triple H! <laughs> you, know, you, know, you know when they do uh, barbed wire matches where it's like a whoa? You can do it literally on the border of the country. It's like, oh. whoa! <laughs> Is he going to throw him over the me. fence? He went through the checkpoint. That counts. Piss off! <laughs> now he's in the Ukraine. Now he's in Russia. Ukraine. Russia. Ukraine. Russia, Ukraine, 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 Ukraine! Yay! <laughs> Co- 
combat in the Crimea. Oh, wait. Oh, no, it's good no. that we can laugh at suffering. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, after people have suffered through this, Simon, how can they get in touch with you to give you some more advice on how to improve your vocal cords at a quicker rate than you had this time? They can get in touch with me on Twitter where I'm so known as Simon Cross Free. Free for the number of our combined predictions for 2022 that came true to an extent. Trying to piggyback on my greater successes there. Shut up! Yes. <laughs> That's brilliant. My name's Lorcan Mullen. That's L-O-R-C-A-N-M-U-L-L-A for A-N as in annual. That's my Twitter handle, Instagram, Facebook, letterbox. If you put that gmail.com at the end of it, that's my email address. Get us a show at lmtwisepod at gmail.com. LMTYSpod is also our Twitter and Facebook handles. We will bring back Rerun the Rivalry, but not in the immediate future. Before March, we'll have watched all the other Tanahashi Okada matches and that series will be completed. But we've got a lot of catching up to do. At time of recording, we have three confirmed five-star matches to cover that took place in 2022. That almost certainly will be at least one more after that. Yes. But we're actually going all the way back to October of 2022. So far back. Because Meltzer did some catching up on some end of year stuff. And he watched a match from October of 2022 on October 23rd. And it's back to Mexico. It's El Hijo del Vikingo again. But this time he's defending his AAA Mega Championship against the Laredo Kid. Big up. So that's our next match of... Four, we're going to assume at least Meltzer Five Star projects that will carry us through. And on top of our assumptions, in the next couple of weeks, we are having a Death Triangle versus Elite match in yep. a format where Lucha Bros and the Young Bucks have previously got a five star match. Mm-hmm. So, so you know, let's let's just assume it's going to be a while before we talk about. I don't know, fucking turnbuckles or whatever it is. I'm going to us <laughs> with you. <laughs> I didn't realise the barrel was that fucking scraped. Jesus. <laughs> we'll tear turnbuckles to shreds like with George the Animal Steel. But until then, there's nothing left to say at this point. Except that my name's Lorcan Mullen. And my name's Simon Cross. Thank you for letting us tell you something. Have a great time. Until the next time. Save me. You want to be the catalyst as long as it benefits you. I am sick to death of listening to you talk to how you're doing all of this for them. Yeah, there are a lot of people out there. Maybe half of them agree with what you're saying. The other half, they don't give a damn. They like it the way it is. Can it be better? Sure, it can be better. That's right. And that's my job to make it better. But when you talk about being the catalyst for change, really what you mean is you will only accept change if it means CM Punk is on top. Because unless CM Punk is the guy, the man, that's not enough change for you. That's not really what you want. See, you're no different than anybody else that's ever been in this business, including me. We're a lot alike. We did what we had to do to get on top. The difference is 
I looked everybody in the eye and told you, I'm going to step on you. I'm going to walk through you to get to the top. You, you don't have the balls to do it. What you did is you backdoor your way around. You try to do it by being a martyr. That's a fun little tidbit. My brother is the director of Family Guy. He also shares a bank account with my mother.